Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Ibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is ZibbyOwens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Welcome to another day of my June Book Blast. This is Historical Fiction Sunday. Listen to these amazing episodes of authors who have taken history and imagined what if it had happened this way or with these characters. Please enjoy. Lisa Scottolini is the number one best-selling and Edgar Award-winning author of 33 novels. Her most recent novel, which we're talking about today, is Eternal. She has over 30 million copies of her books in print in the United States and has been published in 35 countries. Scottolini also writes a weekly column with her daughter, Francesca Saratella, for the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the series has been adapted into a series of memoirs. She has served as president of the Mystery Writers of America and has taught a course she developed called Justice and Fiction at the University of Pennsylvania Law School, her alma mater. She lives in the Philadelphia area. <laughs> I'm so excited to meet you. I'm so excited you. to meet you. Oh my God. Oh, you are just so great. I'm a fan. I'm just so amazed by what you're doing. And I'm so happy for what Aww. you're doing. 
I am. I, I don't want to get all like, are we, we're already on? I won't use this, but. <laughs> oh, well, you can use it. You can totally use it. Okay. But as a person of a certain age, to see what you're doing for women of your generation, which is what everything I would want for them and empowering them and just being so real and honest and the stuff that you explore with them. I'm just thrilled to meet you, honestly. I'm thrilled to be on it. I really okay, am. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll use, it. use it. You should use it. <laughs> you absolutely should use it because I must tell you that I think it's unique. I think it's absolutely unique because it's so personal to you and it's so real and you've lived a life and you're opening up to people to say, just say you don't have time. It's okay not to have time. It's okay not to do everything. And though we kind of say that, not everybody is so open about it. So I'm just <laughs> Well, gosh, I, I have to say, I was just so excited. I have like so much respect for you and all of the stuff, the funny, the deep, I mean, you're like all over the, it's amazing what you've produced. And then when I went on your website last night to just like make sure I wasn't missing anything or whatever, I was like, oh, look, she has like Zivy Owens, like GMA, whatever. And I was like, that's my name on her website. It was so cool. <laughs> I was so excited when we got that. And my daughter, Francesca, is yeah. also an author. And we're my co-author, too. And she's like, I said, honey, Zibby. She's like, Zibby. Oh, my God. You're <laughs> kidding. This is, like, tickling me so much. Oh, my you know, gosh. So she, we have to hang up. She's like, tell me what she's like. If she's really like that. I mean, we know she's going to be really like Oh, my that, gosh. So. I should have your daughter on, too. For, you absolutely by the way, should. I have so many of your other books. I have The Guilt Trip. I, I was trying to find it in time for this so I could show it to you. But, of course... Oh, that's all but right. But it's here somewhere. No, no, I have your, look, there you are. I displayed the one you sent me, but I had the other one and two others in the half, but I can't find them, of oh my course. Gosh. But at least I got my roots done for our Big Zippy podcast. Oh, I obviously I did not. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> but you're awesome and gorgeous. But I just want to say straight out, God bless you. Honestly, congratulations. You are doing something that's much more important than books and all that. And even these subjects, you are just you're standing for something, which is an authentic American woman. And I think it's great. I'm literally about to cry. <laughs> so nice. You should, because honestly, I'm about to cry. I just am so happy. You can't even imagine what it's be. I'm 65. So to have struggled so much with so much crap in the, lo- in the world, there's sexism, there's all this stuff. And to see finally that there's people like you stepping into this role and just taking it by the horns. It's, it's gratifying. It really is. On a very personal level, you must understand you're carrying a mantle. You really are, dear. <laughs> now I'm crying. Thank you. Oh my gosh. I'm so moved. Because now I talk to my daughter. No, it's <laughs> now so, you know. It's so, so nice. Yeah. Well, it's Thank really you. true. Women have to help each other, and sisterhood truly is powerful. And we thought that a long time ago, and it's really true. Wow. Well, what a nice, what <laughs> Sorry, a nice honey. start. Thank you. I wish I could give you a huge hug. You I just know, did. I feel like that. Um, well, please tell me if you're ever in New York or whatever, and we can meet in. Well, I'm up there all the time. My daughter lives up there, and I go visit her, but you're too scared I'm, to say I'm that. And totally if you're ever serious. in my neck of the Like, next time you're in town, let's all have coffee or something. Okay. Oh, we will. I'll give you a big hug and okay. tell you how great you are. <laughs> Actually, this this dovetails nicely with like my, one of my favorite parts of your book, which is which is oh, this good. one <laughs> little quote. And okay, so this is when they're in the cafe. Elizabeth is there, and her dad is about to come in, but she's anyway, and she's meeting with the editor. She hopes will buy her first piece, and she goes, "I admire your writing very much. I read you every day, and your article yesterday was especially interesting." She remembered Nona's advice not to talk too much. I'm sorry I talk a lot, I know. It's just that I have so many thoughts. You can never go wrong praising a writer for his writing, Guleshi blinked with amusement behind his glasses. But everyone must praise you all the time. 
not enough for my satisfaction or with sufficient And not with enough specificity. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> That's how I feel. <laughs> well, and the funny thing is I also feel like her. You know, I don't write with an outline. The eternal is like a bigger scope for me. But ultimately, it's the story of a woman. And I live alone. I'm divorced twice. And I feel that sometimes I'm writing every woman or part of me too, just as you are. And when I, when I came to that, I thought, what is her issue? And a little bit her issue is she's, we say talkative, but that's kind of sexist, really. What it is, is, well, you're a woman in full. You have thoughts and beliefs and opinions. And in a society, 1930s Rome, that doesn't necessarily plumb them or 2020 US, you know, you're labeled as talkative, but she feels that she has She's a talkative girl with no one to talk to. And the writer is the counterpart of that. She wants to be that. In a way, she already is that. And isn't that a great message? I mean, that's just so kind of true. So let me just back up because I know we started this episode in such a personal place. But okay, Lisa, (laughs) your book Eternal is an amazing (laughs) historical fiction, historical novel based in Rome And by the way, I went to Rome when I was in seventh grade, and I asked my mother this morning if she could dig up some pictures of when we went to the synagogues there, because I wanted to see if I could show you. So she has a couple of pictures, but they aren't very good. But I'll I'll email them to you after, because... Oh, now, please show one. This is going to be a video, right? Let's show. Well, they're only on my phone now because I didn't have time to get it. Well, I went to my mom's house and she was out with her dog. Anyway, whatever. But anyway, here's, I don't know if you can even see these. Oh, I see. I see. I see. Oh, that's some, I think that's my mother upside down. Maybe this whole picture is upside down. Oh, that's yes, probably feet. my mom's oh, feet. And then I don't know if you can see these. This is like not the best I can. Anyway, this is them in the square forever ago. Anyway, I don't know. That's in the ghetto. That's in in the the Jewish ghetto. ghetto. So exactly. There we were. (laughs) Well, that's what's so amazing because I went there. I've been to Rome several times, but I went there. I'm lucky enough to be published. I have like 33 novels. So I've been published in Italy. And my Italian editor said, oh, let's go to the Jewish quarter. We'll have the artichokes. And I'm like, you know, because I knew the history and I knew it from college because of this course I take with Philip Ross. So I knew about the Holocaust in Italy. And I just was like, this is hallowed ground. Why is there no, it was a war crime. Why is there no, now, now there's a little more, there's a small museum there, but there wasn't then. And I still think it's not well known enough as a story. And it was, was killing me for 40 years as I'm writing, you know, women's fiction and thrillers and domestic drama. And I'm like, Someday, when you feel like you get the chops, you're going to write about that. And the long story short is, that's how women feel all the time, I think. I'm not ready. I, I don't ha- I'm not practiced enough. Whereas men throw themselves right in. So I was like, Lisa, get out of your own way, even at your age, and just write it. And that book is eternal. It's the best re- reviews of my career. The sales are amazing. And I, I, couldn't, be, I couldn't be more happy, lucky, blessed, all well, of the above. I'm so happy for you. But it's totally... You know, you deserve all the praise. This book is great. No, seriously. It's so thank you. Cinematic. It's so like you can you can see every scene. They're short, like you keep everybody's interest because you're just like dipping in and out of like little scenes, and then you go and you immediately like 
create the characters. So they and I was trying to analyze. I was like, what is it that she's doing that creates these characters so quickly? And I was like, is it that she's describing all their noses? Like, as you always are describing people's <laughs> lips and noses. Is that what it is? Like, I, I was literally I, I trying to like take it apart. Like, how am I? How do I have such a clear vision immediately of all these characters? Like, as soon as you do it, do you know how you even do that? kind of you to say, I will tell you the secret because I love that there's so many writers and people who want to write listening to your podcast. The secret is, as Hemingway says, write drunk, edit sober. <laughs> so obviously I don't write drunk, but when you are going to write, you have to spill it all out and you have to get it all down. But when you edit, you're really distilling it. I'm so glad your dog goes on the furniture because I have four dogs <laughs> and they all go on the furniture. And I, I knew that you would be a dog on the furniture person. So you're, what you're really doing is distilling it. And especially for a novel like this, because it's historical fiction, but it still has to be a personal story of a woman. And it's a love triangle set in fashion Italy. So we're going to talk about like when she gets her first bra, like we're going to really, and we're only going to put in what is by the time you edit, you're only going to leave in what will tell the reader something every time. This course I took with Roth was so amazing. It was like boot camp for writing a novel, although it wasn't a creative writing course. It was a reading course. And he said, Everything has to justify itself. And so I think of that, you know, does this chapter justify itself? If it doesn't, out it goes. I read you said somewhere that it was over a thousand pages and you like couldn't bear to part with any of the words. <laughs> Which believe me, I never feel like that. I'm the most ragingly insecure person on the planet. But I finished this a thousand page manuscript, which I've never done, which is a little bit unheard of. Even I know. And my editor calls me up at 930 at night, which they never do. And he's like, this book should begin on page 370. And I was like, oh, damn, he is absolutely right. And I don't always take direction well, uh, you know. So I, and then I just that night tore the whole book apart, redid it. I like that it's an immersive read, though. I, I don't think it's super long. It's not that long, but it's you've got to tell 20 years of a story. And it starts out with love and romance and pasta. And that's there for a reason, too, because you have to feel what the characters feel as they undergo you know, it's really about law and justice and the effect of injustice on people. And so I wanted to make it a really, you have to personalize that story. It can't be like a, a history book, even though the history alone is dramatic. So much in this book is based on this real true life event that occurred in October 1943 in the ghetto of Rome. But what I really wanted to do is dramatize the course of conduct, because we know a lot about Nazism, but we don't know enough about fascism. And Mussolini invented it. And when you see what it did to the Jews of Rome and to the country writ large, it's horrifying. I was surprised. And you did such a nice job of explaining the Jews who were also fascists and how that was a whole thing then. And I felt like there were so many similarities almost to today in, in different ways, like even just like the anti-Semitism alone, like this is such a timely time that we're even discussing this book, but how you laid out the different groups and you know, you weren't didactic about it in any way. It was just like, here's this, oh, no. you know, oh, yes, these people are fascists. And even, like, within a family, how people could change. And then, of course, you, like, sprinkle in this, like, really hot guy, right? Like, I'm like, I have a crush on a boy in a book, like, like, named Marco, who's probably, like, who's, like, 16 years old or something. Like, what is wrong with me? But, like, you made him seem so attractive. <laughs> well, I'm extremely lonely, and celibate. And uh, <laughs> it's really fun to sort of, that's the great thing about writing as it is about reading. We're engaged in this compact of imagination. Oh, I just thought of that. It's kind of true though, isn't it? So we both can imagine Marco together and he's sexy and he's cool and he's 
just magnetic, but he's got this secret, you know, and there's Sandra who honestly, he speaks to no, my heart I know. Too. I, he was I mean, a close love- second. He was a close second. No, I know everybody's either team Marco or team Sandro, but it's really fun to just imagine because also you want to write, what does love do for us? What is love? What does it do? This is a book about not only romantic love, but the love between friends. Marco and Sandro are great friends. Their families are friends. There's love of country. There's love of God. And and how does love heal? And how does love, like if, you know, we wrote the tagline, <laughs> the, you know, the idea that, you know, what war destroys, only love can heal. And And you're absolutely right. Regardless of your political view, there is no doubt that fascism is rising around the world and anti-Semitism is rising at the same time. And these things are linked. And what you do is you tell a story that's about history and you allow people to extrapolate whatever they will. Because I've heard from both sides of the political spectrum, both of whom love this book. And that's exactly what should happen. And even your main character, Elizabeth, who was like, she's so vibrant and like, Again, I know I keep talking about these characters. It just, like, when you read books, you're not always meeting characters who you feel like could be on the pages of Us Weekly or something. Do you know what I mean? Which I feel like your characters could, I feel like they should be photographed on the street. And obviously I'm just talking about, you know. Of course. But it's nice. It's it's almost escapist to feel like, oh, what's it like being like a gorgeous Italian woman, you know? being pursued by two men and then like getting to like decide like what type of pasta, like that's the game of the day is like, what type of pasta will my boss make? Like, what kind of life is this? This is amazing. It's so great. And that's what I sort of was my task was. And maybe I think because this is my first work of historical fiction, I think it's good that I was kind of a rook because I think it's really important that you not, that you, it's kind of what I was saying about what you do. Shed all of the expectations and the fear and the insecurity about the way it should be done. Just sit down and do it. Because what really struck me was the pandemic. That's why I love it. As you see your little Thank display you. there, I have you up there. But it's so interesting because the essays, you know, in that book, Moms Don't Have Time to, the quarantine anthology, we have gone through something and we are going through something. And I know you've been touched by, by COVID personally, as have I. And what is really interesting and instructive about that for people, all of us, is that last March, we didn't realize we were entering an historical period, right? We were just living our life and it was March. And I had plans in April and my daughter's book was out in March and she was going to go on her first book tour. And then bit by bit, we go, oh, there's not going to be this. And now people are getting sick. And then I know people get it. And what a, that's, I brought that perspective to eternal. Because I said, these young people were just young people. They were hot. They were sexy. They wanted to kiss. They wanted to wear bras. They wanted to become something. She wants to become something. She doesn't really, she thinks she wants to be a journalist. She chooses the exact wrong time because Mussolini only allowed censorship. But they were entering the most devastating period of history, global history, that man would ever know. But they didn't know that. They just lived the life day to day. And that is really interesting considering that we just entered the most devastating, you know, in recent history, this pandemic has taken so many lives and affected world economies. You don't need me to tell you that. But my, what, what I took from it was that you don't know you're part of history. And then what's happened is you are all part of history. And not only that, you're part of your, your culture's history. You're part of your religious history. And above all, you're part of your family's history, right? Elizabeth carries with her the scars of her family. Marco is buoyed up by his family. Sandro is very connected to his family. So you have to make it real 
And it kind of helps to try to be aware when you're living your life in its darkest moments and its brightest. That's also what I love about what you do. You don't sugarcoat that there will be divorce. There will be hardship. There will be financial ups and downs. Kids will get sick. You will have to be torn in lots of different places. You will handle all of it. Elizabeth says at the, at the end of the book, she feels bad in the beginning because she, her, she realized her family is low class. And it just came to me as I was writing it. She says to herself, after the war, there was only one class of people, and that was survivors. I think that's what women do best. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That's beautiful. Thank you. I know because I read all your background, blah, 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 that... Philip Roth was your teacher, and I read all about your class and how Primo Levi and how you've been thinking about doing this for so long, and you know right. this is your magnum opus and everything. But I also <laughs> I just want to hear a little bit about the rest of your career. You've written so many books, and you uh, go in so many genres, and I love all your humorous essays and all those essay books and working with your daughter. Like how how do you create so much content and keep innovating? And so that we end up here with eternal, like what, what is it that every day you wake up and think to yourself or say to yourself or like, how did it start? And how do you just keep this machine going? Well, you're so kind to say that. And thank you. And I think that's the commonality we have. I mean, part of it is that long story short is I was divorced the first time when my daughter was born. So it really became necessity was the mother of invention. I just said, well, I had been a lawyer and I love law and justice and all that stuff, a trial lawyer, but I said, you've got to, you've got to, I wanted to stay home with her. I just kind of love being with her. And so I'm a single mother when my daughter's age zero with no money. And I said, why don't you try to be a writer? And there's five years of rejection, you know, favorite rejection letter. I'll never forget New York. And I say it because I want people to hear it because we, we fail. And it, they said, we don't have time to take any more clients. And if we did, we wouldn't take you. I see that guy from time to time at parties. I'm like, hi, I don't have time to talk to you right now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not above that, Dizzy. So, but I think it's really important because, and I think so much of what you do is about that, that we just persevere. You fail, you fail. You know, the good thing about failing is it means you're taking risk. So that's what I started to think as I got older. I said, don't be so afraid. You're writing thrillers, you're writing mysteries, then you're writing stories that 
have a woman protagonist because I'm trying to write mostly women's voices, honestly. And I'd like the books to move fast and other people categorize them, but I don't. I think they're just stories about families and love. That's what I think. And so my only thing I say to myself is be not afraid. And I still have to say that. And I hope that other women hear that because look at you. You've done all those things. I'm amazed by how much you can produce and how and how uh, authentic and important it all is, because that's the key, the quality. And it's all there. And I want to say to people, right, we're very lucky, but we're just ordinary women and anybody can do it. I really encourage people to write. You don't have to have gone to a master's program. You don't have to have done anything. You just have to live your life, read a lot of books and give yourself the time and the permission to devote to something you really want. I'm so full of advice in this regard. I never shut up. No, I think it's great. (laughs) I did not even get into an MFA program, I have to say. So, you know. Well, they're lost, girl. (laughs) There there we go. (laughs) That's the truth. That is the truth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're going to come to you soon and say, Zibby, would you mind giving a lecture? You should say, I don't have time to do it and I wouldn't make time for you. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just, I'll say, Lisa Scatolini says that this is is my line now. So I'm (laughs) going to come back with this. Tell me about writing with your daughter. That's so nice. I wonder if I could, ever, if I'll ever be doing that. I mean, that's it's just so such great. a goal. Tell me how that started and it's what that's so like. Great. Well, you know, when you're a single mom of one, it's amazing. And I didn't, she, she just is talented in a lot of things and smart and we're best friends and she's 35 now, but we are super tight. And at some point I started writing a column, a woman's column, a column about my life for the Philadelphia Inquirer, which was collected into these books. The first one was called Why My Third Husband Will Be a Dog. So you know where I'm coming from, right? (laughs) And it's not man bashing, it's dog loving. And then my daughter, people started saying, when you talk about your daughter, does she ever, like, do you ever shut up? Let her talk. So then she started to write and she was an English major at Harvard and she started writing. And like she says, we don't write together per se, which is, I think what we do is what every mother does for every daughter and every son, which is, step back, love your kid up and let them find their own voice. So it's really been wonderful for me to see that my amazing daughter, Francesca, has wrote, said, she said to me about eight years, 10 years ago, I guess I want to write a novel. I'm like, go for it. You can do it, honey. Be not afraid. And she produced Ghosts of Harvard, which was just last month nominated for best first novel. Oh my and gosh. It's a terrific book. It's coming out in paperback in a, in a month. And I'm just, but you know what? I'll tell you the story my dad said. He went to my signing and someone said, you must be so proud of your daughter. And he said, lady, I was proud of her the day she came out of the egg. Oh, I know. I love my, I, my parents were the best. I mean, anything I did was golden. I, I could fart and they would applaud. It was, it was a great way to grow up. <laughs> and I, I hope I raised her that way. You know, that she, I love her. It's unconditional. And I think when people feel loved and nurtured, and encouraged to find what they want in their path, they're happier. And that's all any mother wants for any child, isn't it? I mean, you've got four, you know. Yes, that would, yeah. Right. That's all you can. Are we crying yet? I mean, seriously, (laughs) this is like. This is how I am. It's so sad. No, it's great. It's, oh my gosh. it's it's But it's great also to have someone so open to talk to, really. It really is. That's so much. That's so great. Oh, gosh. Okay. So you write with your daughter. You still write this column, right, every week? For- right. Right. Been doing it for 12 years. And it's just a woman's life. I try to make it funny. It's I post it on my Facebook page. They can buy them in books. But I really just want to get a life out there. 
And I think the point is part of it, you counteracting that aloneness, especially when you're me. You know, we're, I'm a single mom with one daughter. Like she said, I got nominated for best first novel. I said, you were always best first daughter. Like you are. We, we always felt a little odd. And then you, as a family, because it's not Norman Rockwell, there's not a big table. There's not a husband and a wife, you know. And as a divorced parent, I was, felt bad that I didn't give her that. Until at some point I said, you know what? Not everybody has the quote conventional family. It's more and more true, but I'm still surprised that there's backlash against it. So there's two dads and there's two moms and there's whatever there is just so there's love. And I forget the question, but I'm sure the answer is love. (laughs) Wait, so you were divorced when your daughter was born. And then what Uh happened? What was your second divorce all about? What happened? And then I remarried and I was a stepmother of three, two of whom lived here. One was in school. And then after that divorce, I was not a stepmother anymore. And so you start to really learn. And I wrote about that in a novel. I mean, you, the, I, all of my novels have emotional truth. And they all, as you know, you have to really plumb something, whether it's literally true or emotionally true. I always think of it with the humor columns by saying, if it doesn't make us cringe, Francesca and I say this to each other, if it doesn't make me cringe, it won't make you laugh. So it has to be real true. It has to be finding out that you have, you know, see your first great chin hair and realize that you're turning into an Amish man. Like no one tells you that. Like I plucked for a podcast. I plucked for you, Zibby, just in case you could see. No. Okay. I made it. Thank you for laughing. I I don't want to tell you that. I'm a little embarrassed about that. And that's what's true in the novel as well. I have to open up. I just have to go, wow, open your heart up because that's what I love about your collections. And I think people hear it in your podcast. I must tell you that I think truth has a ring. There is a ring of authenticity. I knew it as a trial lawyer. I know it now. You can hear it right now. I believe what I'm saying, right? I hear when you believe what you're saying. I hear that you do believe what you're saying. And as long as you do that, you can do that in print too. So you have to say, I plugged my chin for a podcast. And people go, that sounds true. And that's the connection. That's what a book does. And whether that's nonfiction or fiction, when somebody says something true in public, in the written word, orally, anyway, it resonates soul to soul. And that's what's so wonderful, honestly, about books and us talking to each other. It's just a remarkable, wonderful human connection. There's nothing more important. Wait, and tell me about your experience being affected personally by COVID. Well, I think it's just, if you have a heart at all, it's horrifying and isolating. And I know close family members fell ill and survived, but have long haul symptoms. And also there's all the emotional stuff that's a little codependency stuff. Like I want to wear a mask, but they don't want me to wear a mask. The cool kids don't want to wear a mask. All of this mishigas that is so unnecessary. And so I think there's extra layers and we, I don't want to keep saying we women, but I do think we're so attuned to everyone's health and welfare and emotional needs and physical needs that I think moms at home, I don't have to teach a kid physics, thank God. But literally my daughter had a fi- her final today in science and it was all about, like the <laughs> nucleus and the this and the cell and whatever. And I was like, I can barely do this. This is my least favorite class the first time around. I cannot even help you. Like I like I can't believe it. Like I'm gonna hinder you in your ability to this test. <laughs> I totally, I totally get that. And it was my daughter Francesca home with me because I said, please come home. I'm a little worried. And we needed each other. We had to help each other. She's on her first book tour. 
you know, we're figuring out the Zoom. I do. She drew my eyelashes in. I had to do it myself this morning since she went back to New York. So, you know, oh, did you know you have to draw eyebrows on for your Zoom? Yeah, you do. So we all help each other and we muddle through. And it's love in action, truly. It really is. So the pandemic touches us all in horrific ways and in ways that remind us how much we need and love each other, I think. Wow. Okay, having finished yet another triumph, right, which is fantastic. And by the way, I will have you know, I emailed my mom, when I emailed my mother for the pictures, I said, you're going to love this book, by the way, because we don't always agree with our books. But I know like when she's going to love something that I've also loved. And I gave her last year a subscription to Page One Books where they pick books they think that you'll like and then that you give feedback and whatever. Anyway, right, I right. Said, you have to get this book. And she said, I already got, I just got sent it by Page One Books as her oh, book of the month. Nice. I know. I was like, oh, oh perfect. so nice. Yeah. Oh, so, so the bookstore nice. knows my mom as well as I do. But anyway. I think, well, that's your mom. It, I love your mom. I love your mom. Tell your mom I love her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good. There's the generations in this novel too. I mean, I have a crush on Marco and Sandra, but I also have a crush on Beppe and a little bit Massimo, the dads. Yes. So yes. that's really weird. I've yeah. lost my damn mind, honestly. Yeah. We have to go to the bicycle bar and like hang out. And- <laughs> right. I'm watching the Giro d'Italia like a freak. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Do you have any, well, for, wait, first, what are you working on now? And then what advice do you have for aspiring authors? I am just finishing the next domestic thriller. It is due Memorial Day. But I have, I have one more chapter to write. I have the big emotional. I love emotionality in novels. I don't care what the genre is. I never cop to any of that. Look at me. I'm a big I'm a big cupcake. I wake up, I'm a mushy. I got the dogs, I got cats, I got chickens. I kiss horses. I don't know what to tell you. I can't. So I love when there's heart in things. So I'm finishing the next thriller. What was the other question? And then I'm going to write historical fiction again. I'm so excited about this next idea because I think Look, here's the thing. At my age, I wanted to find a new gear. I wanted to write on a bigger canvas. And that's what I'm trying to do. And still write the thrillers because I think they matter so much. They're just a a really, really intimate story that has a narrower focus. And some have a bigger focus. Some will go deep. Some will go across. And that's the great joy and the, the blessing of my life, honestly. Look at all these books by the way, all from independent bookstores and all signed. This is my signed collection. You should see my dining room. Oh my gosh. I know. So I I live a life in books and I I know how lucky I am. Wait, what is your next, what's your next topic for historical fiction? Can you say? I, you know what? I can't because I haven't even told my editor yet. Okay. (laughs) I think I should really like try to, (laughs) even though I love you, Zibby, I can't get fired at this point. No, no, (laughs) don't, don't let me get you fired. That's hilarious. Okay. Well, I'll be staying tuned when you announce it or whatever. Okay. Advice to aspiring authors. Okay. Here I'm going to say, I have so much of it, but here's the headline. Just do it. Just sit down and write. Don't judge it. Phil Ross said, it's not for you to judge it. Get out of your own way and write it. And I also want to say this. I always visualize it as kind of protecting your candle. Your writing, your wish to be a writer, your wish to write something is a little candle. You have to cover it with your hand. Just like people do. I always think Nicole Kidman running around the house and the others, you know, in these drafty houses. The candle is your wish. You know, we say to seven-year-olds, what do you want to be? They say a fireman. We don't ask them when they're 30. We don't ask them when they're 40 or 50 or 60 or 70. You're allowed to want to do something new. And that's what I said to myself with Eternal, even at my age, with supposedly some credentials behind me. But it was a leap. And I guess I just want to say to people to take that leap and just give it a shot. I love it. 
Lisa. Thank you. Thank you. So <laughs> You're the coolest. Nice. Oh my gosh. You're the coolest. Thank you I hope I didn't go on at Making me feel so good. And thank you for this beautiful novel and all of your work and for making me laugh and all of the funny books I have of yours. And oh my gosh, it's just such a joy. So you're very sweet. And I can't wait to tell Francesca. And thank you so much for all that you're doing for all of us of all ages, all women. There's really no greater purpose. So thank you for that. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to part of my June book blast. I hope you enjoy it. Come back tomorrow for more. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.